So for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at church government. We've been digging into um, a couple of roles. We've been spending most of our time actually just looking into what it is, what an elder is. Um, we talked about how an elder, you'll see some some titles that are that are kind of used interchangeably for what I'm just calling an elder here. Elder, pastor, overseer, bishop. You'll see these in scripture and when you see these you'll you'll effectively be seeing um, the same the same thing, um, the same requirements, the same qualifications, and we've been digging through those. We looked at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Last time we wrapped up 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and today we'll be looking in Titus chapter 1, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. Um, when we get finished with this, and I'm hoping that we are able to do this today, we'll see, um, because what I would like to do is I would like us to kind of um, have in mind in the same class um, these qualifications for elders and then go over and look at qualifications for a deacon uh, back in 1 Timothy. As, I've, as when we were over in 1 Timothy chapter 3 previously looking at the qualifications for elders, I kept pointing towards this idea that um, when it comes to the character of elders and deacons, there's effectively no difference. We should expect the same high quality of character, high quality of living um, from both elders and deacons where these two responsibilities um, primarily diverge um, is in the is in the responsibility of the elder, particularly in the giving instruction from of sound doctrine from the Word of God and rebuke that comes along with that, and that being a responsibility that is um, to be borne by the elders and not one. This is not a burden that has to be placed on those who would be called into the position and role of deacon. So we're going to see that again. Um, we're kind of laying out these two responsibilities because um, I, I do think that in a lot of ways, in, in at least in churches in our area, and I would kind of include us in this as well, that these roles of elders and deacons get blended into this hybrid thing that God does not intend it to be, um, and in so doing, um, I think that it makes us less effective um, and um, when we consider the short amount of time that we have here on earth to be effectively used by God and what we all know to be true that we can do more together than we can individually then I think it's very important for us if we want to consider our collective effort to consider whether or not we're organizing ourselves in the most effective way. And I believe that God has laid out these two particular um, roles um, in such a way and does not leave ambiguity in the responsibilities either. I don't know how it is that we come to these places sometimes where we... Where we effectively work these things out in life as though there's some type of ambiguity um, but God's word is is clear in the callings of these so when we find ourselves here I just want us to continue kind of reflecting in our minds and our hearts I don't want to say that I have an answer to this to this here but 
Um, the place that I'm working to find that answer is, and I hope that you see this, um, in and through the Word of God, um, because I think that as we dig into this and we consider these things, that God stirs within us um, by His Holy Spirit and by the Word that is taught, um, He'll He'll steer us in the direction that we should go. And I, tr- I trust that. I trust that he will do that. Though I don't necessarily um, know how and what, that af- what the most effective way to do that might be, I do trust that if we look at God's word and consider um, how, we, how we organize and structure that um, his word, as it has always been effective, will be likewise be effective in, in, in acting and producing change in us. So today, as we kind of continue that discussion, let's look at Titus chapter 1. <clears throat> I'll start reading in. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up one. I'm going to start reading in verse 5. Um, so verse 5, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. So um, the reason I kind of backed up here is I want us to see this, is that is that Paul is looking here for order to be established here in Crete. And this is a, there's a purpose that he's, that he's left him here, um, and that is to bring what remains into order. And as a part of doing this, he's commissioned here to appoint elders... Um, uh, something that I want you to notice here is there's there's this not appoint an elder or not appoint a bishop or not appoint a overseer singular but he's he's speaking here of appointing elders in every town as I directed you. So um, we see this kind of plurality of elders that, that comes up in this commissioning here in the establishing of order. So when we consider this kind of in as we progress from looking at these two roles, elders and deacons, and actually talking about um, kind of these f- like forms of church government that we, that we see around us and that we see in Scripture, I want us to consider um, this. We'll, we will likely revisit this when we get into those structures because I think that it's important for us to consider, and I think there's practical things there that we that are that should be obvious to us when we consider why it's important that there be multiple and not just not just one. So, and appoint elders in every town. As I directed you, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it for there are many who are insubordinate empty talkers and deceivers especially those of the circumcision party They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not 
to teach. So I, I went a little further than I kind of promised you that we would there. Um, I think there is something important for us to dig out of of that those two extra verses that we've kind of included um, in this now. Um, but let's start back up in verse 6. We're not going to cover every single piece. We've covered a lot of this um, as we've kind of looked in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and 1 yeah, Peter chapter 5. So um, we're going to look at a couple of the differences that we see just in the wording. The underlying idea is the same, but I think when we look at, the, at some of the differences in the way that we see see it worded here that we can get a clearer idea of some of the ideas that we've seen before particularly when we get down to um, this idea of children being believers not open to the charge of debauchery and, and insubordination I want us to kind of reflect back on some of the discussions that we've had in regards to having your like children's who who are who submit themselves to their to their father right like that idea of submission and and some of the practical things that we that we see from that, we're going to also look at this idea of God's stewarding as God's steward, right? So um, this gives us a, again a little bit of insight into how we are to consider the role of the elder and how that practically plays out. Um, this individual, this overseer, this elder, this pastor, this bishop, or this collection of elders here. Um, in each and every town, they are there to steward, right? An overseer as God's steward. So let's let's look at that. So verse six: If anyone is above reproach, we've touched that. Husband of one wife, we've touched that. And and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. I want to I want us to consider this. And again, um, I think that. We could spend all of our time focusing on edge cases because we've all lived long enough that we understand that children are going to make their own decisions in life. And we all know men who've been great leaders within a church whose children in time have gone astray. Right, So those are the edge cases. I want to acknowledge that that happens. So what he's not saying when he's digging into these is that for that man who's clearly, that, that husband and wife clearly living gospel-centered, gospel-focused lives whose children have gone astray and just acted straight fools later in life, that that would be something that would be a disqualifying Event for that person who's been leading his family, right? That's not what he's talking about here. What we see here is that while these children are in his charge, right? Like while he is raising them, while he is instructing them, these are things that when we look at them, here's a reality, okay? And if you don't know this, then you should consider it, is that if you have children, your children are a reflection of you. Is that a surprise to anyone? Probably no one. Does that surprise that you can tend to, you could look at my children, and if you were to watch them long enough, you could probably see things about me that you did not know were there. Is that a surprise? Is that a surprise? 
right? That like if you look at some of my children that you will be able to see attributes of me that maybe as an adult I can keep under wraps a little easier, right? You'll see attributes of my wife, same way, right? That are as, as, as crazy as it seems to a teenager that says one day you're going to make decisions that look a lot like mine, <laughs> that I'm making for you right now and they're like no I'm going to do things a whole lot different what do we find that it's like cliche that like we find ourselves at places in life where we're like I'm doing exactly what my parents <laughs> and I said I would right and I said I would never do that right so like we our children are a reflection of us in in many ways right and what we get when we when we see this is a glimpse into this reality that you can, you should, when you're selecting leaders for yourself, observe the family. Because you can see things there that that grown man might be able to hide from you. Right? So that's, there's an element of that that we see here. That if you see the children in there, and I'm not talking about like high energy, right? I'm not talking about kids being kids. This is not what I'm talking about here. Because that's he's very clear in this, right? Husband of one wife and his children are believers. So are they stewarding them in a, in a direction to where the children are coming to this point to where they're like, I see my parents, I see my siblings, I desire this same thing, right? Right? Are the children believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination? Right? Like, do they listen to their parents? And I'm not saying all the time. Okay? I'm not saying like there aren't times that teenagers are teenagers. Right? But even as a parent raising a teenager now, and welcome to that game, Dustin, which you've kind of been. You've been, you've been, the preteen, the preteen stage is in many ways just as bad as the teenage stage, but now they're looking towards being out of your house. That's kind of the. Yes. So when we so when we see when you see my children and this is one of those things like when I say it I realize that there's like a vulnerability here, right? Like we all have to we like if I'm looking at Dustin's children I have to understand a couple of things that his children are created in the image of God they are image bearers they move in accordance with their desires, just like Dustin moves in accordance with his desires. And that our children, we should be working so that the Spirit of God works to conform their desires with God's desires, right? Working in the direction of becoming believers and away from debauchery and insubordination. Does that mean that teenagers will always be like, I love every word that my parent says? No. That's not what we're saying here. And that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about insubordination. I've had, I'm not going to like blast Mary Corinne, but um, ha have had conversations with my daughter 
um, over the last few years as she grows into her um, adult human form. <laughs> um, and the conversations that I have are, are in, in terms of like, we need, we need to be aware of ourselves enough to understand that we can present ourselves in ways that can be harmful, though we don't see it as that now. Right? That certain forms of seeking attention, though they may bring us a momentary, like, high in our minds, can leave us in a place that long term will be a well that we find empty. Right? And then in doing that, like, God's word leads us to things like the, like ideas of modesty in the way that we present ourselves. That, like, when we're young, we might see that and be like, and we might have the thought that, like, Dad says to dress this way, but as soon as I get out of his presence, go into the mode that I want to be in. Right? Right? Let me, let me wear none of the clothes. Kind of, right? Like, that kind of, like, but that's built in. And in that, there's what is that? That's that element of insubordination that wants to kind of come out. So what I could do is be heavy-handed and be like, you do what I say. Well, sometimes you have to. Sometimes you might have. Sometimes there are levels. Sometimes you have to be more firm, right? Right. But there's this. But what I want. But I. But what I want to say to her is. You can make decisions like that. I'm, I am not foolish and forgetful of my younger years to think that you're going to take every word that I say and apply it perfectly every time. But I want to lay out some things, some thoughts for you so that if you start making certain decisions, you can make decisions that eventually make you. right? And then you find yourself making decisions that are, that are your decisions by default. Right? So what I mean, as we're looking at this like debauchery and insubordination, this is not to say that they won't have moments in time where it looks foolish or it looks rebellious, but that you can see in the pattern of living of that individual that they are laying a groundwork to build a character in the people that they are stewarding because as parents, that's what we are. We are stewarding them into adulthood. I tell The way that I refer to it with my daughters, I'm trying to make you into a human being that I would want to be friends with, right? Like that I would want to have dinner with, that I would want to hang out with. Like I want to steward your life in such a way that you become that type of person, right? So as we see this, and we've seen this now a couple of times in a couple of different places, this idea of stewarding children well, stewarding a family well, being an indicator of whether that can be applied to the leadership of a church, it's because the same type of activity and responsibility an elder has for a church as a father has for his children and family. That, that is the type of, when we think about how an elder works within a church, they are stewarding the body of believers, and it requires different at different times perhaps more firm application. And then at different times, it requires a softer touch. In the same way that raising children does that same thing, that there are times that we have to be more firm, and there are times that we have to be 
more concerning of the state of the spirit and mind of that individual in the way that we bring about discipline, right? And this is a this is a weighty burden for fathers and mothers, period, in raising your children right. One of the most daunting tasks in life is that of parents. Like you find out who you are there. Like there's a there's an element of that to where it's like you see who you really are because there are no higher stakes in life than that of trying to make people into respectable people. Like, and we live in a society where that in many ways has gone off the rails and the family altogether is not even considered an important thing. But when God gives us guidance in Scripture for how we are to select the leaders, spiritual stewards, overseers of the church, um, he, he instructs us to observe the family. And, and we see that here. Um, and verse 7, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. And again, I would say that like examining the children, examining the relationship of the husband and wife is a good indicator. It's not the only indicator, but it is a good indicator which would reveal potential warning signs in the character of that person that you might be um, looking to have as uh, an overseer, an elder uh, here. All right. So for an overseer as God's steward, again, we see this purpose in the calling of these individuals and in the, in the um, qualifications that they are to have. We see this pointing us towards this idea of stewardship as the purpose for, these, for this role, stewarding of the souls, so we can see them doing it in the family, um, and then we ought to consider that to be something that is a, a, a it can be um, replicated. If it's being performed in the family, it can also be replicated in the family of of God. Um, and then we continue into other other things that are similar to things that we've seen in the other other texts that we've looked at this at this point. So he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. Those things we've seen in, in, the, in the previous text that we've looked at, we won't um, circle back to those today. Verse 8, But hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined, all of these things that we've seen as well um, in the other text that we've looked at, we won't circle back to that today either. Verse 9, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine. And we're going to pause there. So this is one of those areas again where we're going to see how it is that this individual is to steward the flock. Right? He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. He's not making this stuff up on his own. Right? The elder is not one who's like, I've got these new ideas. And I'm going to throw them at you. Um, you've never heard these before, so these are going to strike you as new. Um, the person who's leading in this way 
if you find yourself in a place where your elders seem super creative compared to every other person that God has ever had steward the flock for generations and generations, be aware, be aware that that's not what that individual was called to, right? This is not to downplay creativity. This is not to downplay something feeling fresh and new. But what this person is leading and steering and guiding in ought to have something that the roots of it run all the way back to the cross. Right? Like this is a long-lived tradition for us now. This elder's not making it up as he goes. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. The leaders of God's church, those who are stewarding the spiritual lives of the body of believers, ought to be founded in God's word, taught by other believers in the trustworthy word. So there's an element here that that I want to take a minute and kind of pause on is that it can be easy for someone who's teaching to find themselves where they can't be taught by anyone. Right? If you hear Dustin, Dustin, the word that he'll use here quite often is teachability. Like you have to have teachable you have to be teachable right now again i want us to consider this idea with the idea of this establishing this plurality of elders in the sense that like i would go so far as to say that many of you would feel uncomfortable in some regard approaching dustin with something that you think that he's teaching in error And if Dustin finds himself too long in, an, in a state of existence where no one says anything, where he hears, and I'm not talking about negative naysayers, right? I'm not talking about things that like he'll hear it and he'll be like, that's just, that's haters going to hate kind of mentality, right? That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about if he has no one ever that comes to him, it's like, Dustin, like, I see you going off in this way. His heart can harden, and if his heart is hardening against any input from the outside, then it will not be long until it's hardened against input from the one place that we all would desire it to come from. Right? So this element of teachability, oftentimes, oftentimes, and I think this is one of the like reasons for Elders, plural, being something that's taught within the Scriptures is because if... if Here's the thing. And it's not because he and I are friends, okay? But I know 100%, with 100% certainty, if I come to Dustin and I bring to Dustin a concern about something that he said or something that he's doing, that he will not hit a wall that shuts down that's like, you've got no clue about what you're doing because you couldn't open God's Word and give me anything from it. 
Because there's an element there where because we've served together for the time that we have and because He's seen me steward in the Word, that He will listen to me in a way that you might be afraid He would not listen to you. And I would go so far as to say is that if He's surrounded by that, that iron sharpening iron, then when you approach Him and you think maybe He won't listen, that if you bring God's Word to Him and set it down, that He would sit with you in the Word, shepherding you perhaps in reproof against Himself. Like that He might work with you, alongside you, because that teachability is something that He ought to be modeling, that ought to be modeled amongst those who are called to this position of being an elder or overseer in such a way that this idea of holding firm to the word that is taught is not a past tense type of approach to this. It is not that he was taught before he got to Mount Carmel and then he was set free to never be taught again. Right? Which is oftentimes how like like a, a, a preacher, especially in the kind of itinerant approach that we take to churches today, it's like a preacher will come in and they'll be in for a moment, a, perhaps a short time, a couple of years before they move on to the next. So there's never even a time for them to get through their full, like, here's all of the things that I believe from God's Word before they're moved on to the next. So there's no time for that individual perhaps to even be mentored or, or reproved for anything that they say. And then you move and you move and you move. And there's a day Danger in that for the individual who is operating like that because I will tell you for certain and this is one of those things too that like um, I've seen this work here in a particular way and I'll, I'm going to talk to Blake for a second on this okay um, because you've come from a place where you were where you were in these types of responsibilities. And then you might find yourself here at Mount Carmel, and it may be like, there may be a moment of like, I can kind of breathe and don't have to be the one, like, you know, keeping all the balls in the air so the thing doesn't come to the ground. There is a time to where as you move in and serve, they're like perhaps you may find yourself like you come in and, and things were already moving in a direction, right? I pray and hope that you would find it here the case that you feel as you dig into God's Word that it's heard in the same way perhaps that because Dustin and I have been serving together for a decade plus at this point, that I hope that it does not feel as though I would have his ear more than you. Right? Or that I would operate in such a way as to like try to maintain... I had... Y'all all know how this works. When you're young, you've got your best friends. Right? And then, like, when I was young, there was this, I had a particular best friend that if anybody ever thought that they were that person's best friend, it was like, you better back off because that's my best friend. I, I imagine that a lot of people operate when, when they're young like that. Um, that is not the type of 
operation that ought to ever be found in a place. There's, it's one thing for people to be close, and I'm not saying that we should not be close, but that is not a closed circle of entrance, right? Yes. It's not a thing that's like walled off, and it's like now you must just be an outside observer. Yes, this is something that we guard against. This is something that comes through the word, so that as Blake has come and served here, and I hear Blake's, I hear Blake teach and preach. One of the reasons that I think that it works well when it's when it's done in accordance with Scripture is that the same thing that has maintained that connection is the same spirit moving in all that would find themselves in this place. Such that when I hear Blake preach, the same Holy Spirit's like, Amen on Amen to that. Because it comes from here. Right? It comes from here. It comes from this teachability. It comes from this all that you're teaching coming forth from the Word, right? The trustworthy Word as taught. So we ought to be nurturing teachability. We ought to be in a place where others who find themselves here wielding appropriately the Word of God could have the same effect, right? Like, I expect Blake, when he stands and preaches, to have the same effect. Not a lesser effect, not a he's new at Mount Carmel for the last little while, even though your family's been here for a long time, right? So in some sense, you kind of, you, you, like, it's like your, your family just when you show up, right? But that you bringing forth the word from the scriptures is as effective and no less effective than Dustin, or than anyone else who would stand in the pulpit. And then it would have no less effect on the hearers of God's Word in, reprove, in, repro, in reproving and in encouraging and in building up and edifying as someone else who had been here for longer, right? Yeah. Run church, and it has just, and then we come here, and it, I don't know how it's supposed. It's a, it seems like a mixture, because like you're the pastor, but there's also people that are in these roles, though they're not. Um, yeah. Like they're not called elders, I think. But it's the difference, like when you're talking about if Dustin, nobody can come to him, and he has isolated himself and become hardened. He also has nowhere to go when he sins. Yeah. And he falls. And then, like, even this morning, I was like, I had no idea this man got divorced. Yeah. He's a pastor. And, you know, like, I, and I'm just like. Not Dustin. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> not Dustin. So yeah. isolated, and that was part of the reason, you know, who do you go to? Yeah. And now. <laughs> 
start because you've lived in kind of three worlds now. <laughs> like one where you, I would venture to say, um, experience the sheer loneliness of being sole pastor. Um, I would describe that is that's real. That's loneliness you can't even that. work. You almost feel like you can't even have friends. Yes. Um, which is simple. And some of that you place on yourself, and then some of it your congregation places on you. Mm-hmm. Um, by default. Yeah, not intentionally, probably. Yeah. And then when you have <laughs> a group of guys who, like I think he says it in 2.15 here in Titus, where it's like the authority is coming not from some guy, like in their charisma or yeah. how loud they can bark or whatever, it's coming from the word. Mm-hmm. And like when you've established that, like as a community of believers, that all those things can be nice and good, but the word is the primary means of us growing and the spirit setting that ablaze in our heart. Like I think that your people are more open other <coughs> coming in and if there were to be one who came in and their message was not derived from the word those listeners would immediately stand up hairs on the back of their neck and be like which something's different but when you've established that parent, like, like where it doesn't matter if you Landon Blake well, you Landon Corey or me or whoever like the expectation is we're here at open word. Yeah. An- another thing that I want to another thing that I want to touch on here as well and I'm going to point this kind of in your direction to Blake. Um, not that elderhood. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking more in line with like anyone who would find themselves in a place where they would would be preaching from a pulpit is there's a secondary pressure there's the there's the one pressure that it's like well there's there's already something here right there's already something established and how do I fit within that and then there's the the opposing pressure which is what I would I would say is probably I've seen it play out more times than I can count here at Mount Carmel is that there's this like weird underlying pressure that there that that more than one individual who can preach is more than one chef in the kitchen than you need and there's this idea and we've seen this here we have been if y'all have been here for any length of time you understand that we have been extraordinarily blessed over the 20 year period that I've been here to have I don't know how many people called into preaching and almost every single one of them have left. There is a pressure that those who are called into preaching feel to be the individual isolated preacher. And that's what I think for a long time churches focused on was getting people into ministry, getting people and then, pastor to send And then go preach somewhere else. And if yes. they don't, they've fallen away. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, that, but that's the that's the idea, though, right? Had the people he's sharing the gospel with every day. Yeah. I feel like 
but that's the idea. And this is this is why, like, the word pastor. Let's back it into elder, right? So, like, we will see overseer, elder used more often than we will see pastor in the text, right? We use it in a in a in a lopsided type of way to like essentially say there's one person at every church that does this thing, right? Um, and then if you find yourself as a pastor and you're perhaps an associate pastor or you're a youth pastor, then then we think about it in corporate terms that one day you're going to graduate to get to be your own CEO, right? Like that's the, that's, there's like an idea. Where does that come from? I do not know. Does pastor also, does it, does it lead people to think that, okay, the pastor is like the senior elder? So we're gonna when we get in yeah hold hold that idea we will get into that when we get into like how you t- how like like structuring the organization of the of the church we'll get into like where does pastor fall like what we would right. deem as pastor fall in in any it's particular well, there is a pastor isn't there is pastor there in the Bible line. yes um, but I think it's I think it's our attempt as humans to try to quantify the grace of God yeah. Yeah. Quantify it and make it to where it's something that's not like, and again, I won't take any more time, but because the subject of me was taken up. <laughs> well, I, I feel like you, I feel like you're an easy for everybody in the class to understand how this dynamic can play out because no one no one questions whether or not you were preaching before you came to Mount Carmel, right? Everybody knows that you were doing that. So like, there can be two a twofold like element of like well how will he fit in here and is this just like a holding pattern until what's next right like there's that idea here's one i want i want to be very honest with you um that i would i i one of the primary reasons that it took me as long as it did to be like oh god's called me to preach is that very thought is that as soon as I go to as soon as I as soon as I say that God has called me to preach, everyone here is going to be waiting for my exit. That was my that like right right yes yes it's not that some won't. Yes. Yes. It is a wisdom and a calling. And I'm I'm going to differentiate calling from pressuring. Okay? I'm going to differentiate that God told you to versus you heard other people saying a thing. Yes. And this is the way it's always And it's always been like that, so you don't know any other way. Right? And there can be pressure from within to stay when God's calling. Yes. I mean family, you have to be yes. willing to leave your family. And when I I dare say probably when you surrendered to know without a doubt that God's calling you to preach, that you had to give that surrender to leave your church and your family if yeah. in fact God called well, you. When he, but at the same time you knew there was at point what God wanted you to do. And and I I I hold the Ability to change my mind at any point in the future on this, but I here's what I'll say: When God called me to preach, 
he simultaneously confirmed that I would probably die here. Like it was like it was one of those. It, and and like it that I may change my mind. I may change my mind at some point in the future, and I I reserve the right to to do so if God so leads me. Um, but as he as he did, those were two two simultaneous. And, I, and, and in my mind, I'm like, how are we going to work through this? Because everyone's going to expect you to leave at some point. Um, so we will, we will, um, I want to, I want to come back to this next time. We're going to, we're going to pick back up in verse nine. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradicted. I want to dig, I want to kind of double down next week on this differentiation between elders and deacons as it comes to some of these more difficult requirements in regards to instructing and rebuking. Um, Because this is going to be ultimately the requirement that's um, placed upon those um, who are elder, overseer, bishop, pastor, whatever you call them, um, that is unique and different than what you will find uh, when we look at. So hopefully we'll touch on that next. Um, we'll get to the qualifications for deacon simultaneously and let that be um, a differentiator that we use when we have that discussion there. So.